my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy Data Privacy Day. Joe, do with that what you will. It's a very important day. I, do, you, do you, anytime when they bring up the thing that says, do you accept cookies, do you try not to accept them? You can't do it. I, Why do they even bother? No, 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 you can. You can actually go through and make kind of bespoke selections, but not being funny, who can be asked? Who's got time? It's like every time you load a web page, now it's like always allow, always allow, always allow. Exactly. Just own me. It's fine. I got to get yeah. to my freaking stories. Um, all right. Cut, cut the music, by the way. Cut the music. Cut the music. I want... This is a sad day. I want sad music. We don't Today have any sad music. You're just going to have to have silence. <laughs> That's fine. A moment of silence. Today is the day we say goodbye to Chris Moneymaker. He's not dead, Joe. Yeah, I mean, but... As of a few weeks ago, he, he became dead to us. <laughs> uh, it is the end of an era. Chris Moneymaker has left the building. And today we are saying goodbye because we are likely never going to mention him again. He is the guest today. If I did not make that clear. I kind of see this as the Chris Moneymaker tribute show. And one yeah. last chance to troll the shit out of him before we send him on his way. That's right. Uh, things kind of got back to normal, kind of not in the home game. We're going to do a little role play later Ooh. on and see how would James play it. Okay, good. When you said role play, I was concerned where this was going, but this I can wow. handle. It's a new segment where I asked James how he'd play it. No wow. strat, though. I promise. No strat. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to have to kind of do hand analysis, there's definitely going to be no strat. It's not Strat. Uh, and finally, this week's super fan is John Bartlett. I wonder if he's related to President Bartlett. Got a lot of airtime on the show. His specialist subject, season one of the Larry Sanders show. I just realized for John's appearance, I should have put my Bartlett t-shirt back up too late now. Anyway, carry too on. Late. Carry on. Um, we are going to continue not talking about TV and movies uh, because we're saving that for next week, I believe. Yeah. But um, I am... So, so we decided that we weren't going to talk about TV and movies alone, right? We decided that we yes. were going to have a guest. And last year, I think Jess Wellman joined us when we like look yes. back at movies and TV shows. Who have you lined up to be our guest movie TV reviewer for next week's episode? This year, I lined up another ginger. <laughs> Neil Farrell is going to join us. And when I first pitched Neil Farrell, James was like, Neil's really good fun. I don't know. I don't really think it was a movie TV guy. So I wrote to Neil and he's like, dude, I've been doing nothing but sitting on my ass watching TV for the last few months. I would love to come on and talk movies and TV. Perfect. So, Perfect. Yeah. So if, if you guys want to catch up, we're going to talk WandaVision. A little bit of WandaVision. Yep. Bear in mind, we're only going to be halfway through. I think four episodes will have aired by the time we record the show. But we got the season finale of The Mandalorian, Wonder yep. Woman 1984, are we doing Tenet? Do I need to watch Tenet? I'm, I'm, I'm constantly. I did Tenet. I watched okay. Tenet. Let's okay. do Tenet. I'm, I'm, I'm actually I'm, really stoked to talk Tenet. Okay. I'm just conscious of the fact that we don't want to record a three-hour podcast reviewing every single TV show and movie that's dropped over the last few months. And I, I think maybe I had mentioned to Neil that to do, we would do Soul also. Oh, yes. The Disney Pixar movie. Yeah, because I have seen yeah. that one. Right. Yeah, so the only thing I still need to see on that list is Tenet. I've got seven days. I can do it. 
Okay. Um, and if I can make a small suggestion, I don't think we'll talk about it next week because not everyone will have access to this. But uh, Danny Zucker recommended to me this magic special on Hulu called In and of Itself. Yeah, you brought this up it. on the live stream we did yeah. on, on Monday, Joe. And the problem is Hulu shows just don't really make it outside of yeah. Hulu in the States unless they pick up distribution elsewhere. I've not come across this. I'll have a look for it. But if two-thirds of the reviewing party are not able to see it, it's kind of hard to make it work. Totally. I just want to throw it out there for people who can't yeah. see it. It's good enough for Bill Gates. Bill Gates is literally in the audience okay. of the magic show. Okay. Um, well, I just alluded to the fact that we did stream the Sunday Million again um, this Monday just gone. We did survive an internet crisis. And I know that yeah. this is just part of modern life, right? That there are going to be times when everyone's working from home and trying to make the best of things with their domestic setup, that you are going to have these glitches, but it's still so frustrating, so annoying. And, uh, you know, we've joked about it a couple of times, but this is where I feel Finson's pain. The fact that he had to go back to Malta in order to yeah. do a live stream because he just can't get a solid connection from his new home in Dublin. And it is, there's nothing worse than having that promise, that kind of like carrot of like decent broadband only for reality and for fluctuating speeds and sometimes just random outages to hit you in the face. Yeah, you know, and it's really tough because, first of all, the people who are selling you the home, who are selling you the internet, they'll say whatever they have to to get you in the door, first of all. Second of all, these problems, sometimes they're unaware of them when they happen. There's no real way to know until you get in there. Yeah. But I am always impressed, James, with the way you handle these crises. Like, you are... Chicken little, 99% of the time. But when there's an actual emergency happening, you're very calm. This is the thing, Joe. I will turn <laughs> any minor incident into a full-blown drama, but a genuine yes. crisis, I'm there. I'm there for it. That's um, so weird. So obviously, we're going to keep doing these Monday night streams. So do join us every single Monday yeah. evening at 6.30 UK time. Uh, thanks once again to Nick Walsh for being part of the gang on Monday. We got to watch some live unboxing of Joe's nerd cards. Plus you gave us the update on the Kobe card, Joe, which if it is one of the last ones that Kobe ever yeah. signed is only going to accrue in value as time goes on. Even if the bottom drops out slightly of this whole trading card market, I can't see that ever losing its value and, and not being a collector's item worth tens of thousands of dollars. No, like when I think when the oceans rise and you know society collapses, I'll be able to trade it for a loaf of bread. <laughs> It'll be incredibly valuable. And, and just to be clear, because we kind of discussed this uh, yesterday and today, for Monday's stream, we're going to have an unboxing of a different kind during yeah. the Sunday Million Breaks. Yes, we are. I uh, I actually got a gift from Poker Stars for the first time in a long time. Now, I should say, I get gifts from our department, right? I get thank you gifts. I get really cool stuff from our group of people. But you know how I've complained that I still don't have a PokerStars chip set. Yep. I've been working for PokerStars for a decade. Well, a box, a big box came from PokerStars. And I was like, I bet this is a chip set. And I'm not going to say what it was. We're going to open it up okay. live on, st Fantastic. on stream, on the podcast. And just to be clear, there was a reason why you received this. This wasn't a kind of, hey, that Joe Stapleton guy, he's been on the books for a few years. We kind of should kind no. of recognize him. This was something specific. Something specific. 
Yes, it was. It was for playing in the charity event that we did six months ago. God, that was last May. The Stars Call for Action, which Hank Azaria and Andy Bellin organized. Yeah. Hey, it's COVID. Everything's a little slow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we'll have that on Monday. We had a Japanese champion, which I know you were really you thought was really cool uh, in the Sunday Million Love that just it. gone. Uh, it was a special PKO edition. This weekend's Sunday Million is also a PKO. And because it's part of the 50-50 series... It's half price. It's a $50 buy-in. So it's probably going to be another wow. massive field. That means it's probably going to be a, a slightly longer stream than normal on the Monday. Yay. Uh, so make sure you join us on Monday for that one. Okay, we did say that the primary objective of this week's podcast is to pay tribute to the man, the myth, the legend. Without further ado, let's bring on the moneymaker. So for 17 years, he was the poster boy for Poker Stars, and now he's moving on. But we cannot let him leave without giving him the Poker in the Ears treatment one last time. Are you ready for this, Chris Moneymaker? You know, when I left, they said, you have to do this one more time. And I almost just quit like that day. <laughs> um, but then I would miss James's face. And I haven't seen you in so long. So, yes, I'm ready for this. We just need to black out the Joe. I see Joe way too often. So, uh, <laughs> James, it's good to see you. I'll try and find some way of like putting some mask over his face. He's been the poster boy and the whipping boy, and I will miss both aspects of that. Chris, I have always looked at you as a bit of a father figure, and now you're fully transmogrifying by walking out on me. <laughs> He has saved this joke for 16 years. Um, now, here's the thing, Chris. I really wanted to spend most of this time revisiting a part of the Moneymaker story that we've never really talked about in detail because we've gone over the story so many times of you winning the seat, making it into the World Series, winning the World Series. But I kind of really want to focus on what happened next and really those years of the moneymaker boom and when that really hit you what was happening and, and what you'd started i guess the first question to ask is where the relationship with poker stars actually started i mean when you first arrived in vegas in 2003 were they already making contact with you were they already like ah oh, there's one of our qualifiers it was a lot different if you've ever been to a poker stars event in the recent history, you'll know that, you know, they've got signs up everywhere. It's, you know, beautiful. They got people waiting at desks for you. They, they give you goodies and all kinds of good stuff. Um, back then, um, they had the guy, this guy by the name of Dan Goldman that was sitting in a hotel room. And basically when you got to Vegas, you got, when you checked in, you got something that said, you know, go to room 42, you show up at room 42 and there's two guys, Dan Goldman and Rich Corbin sitting in the room and they say, here's your bag. Here's your buy-in. Good luck. And, and by buy-in, you mean they would hand you cash? No, no, they've already bought in. So here's your okay. seat assignment or whatever. Um, and good luck. And that was it. There's was two random guys in a hotel room handing out 15 or 16 bags There are 15 or 16 of us. That's how many qualified off poker stars back in 2003. Um, and that was the extent of the poker stars entourage. There was no <laughs> signage. There was no hoopla. You know, they did give you a nice little jacket, a shirt, 
a couple shirts um, was in the bag and the, the bag was nice, but you know, you could tell it was definitely their first time, you know, doing yeah. anything like this. Yeah. So at what um, point did they start taking an interest in you? At what point did they realize, Hey, one of those guys, one of those 16 players is making a deep run. Dan Goldman was, you know, he was always kind of around. Um, he was kind of a poker nerd and he still is. Um, so he was always around the poker room and, uh, every night after we would get done, I would come up to him and ask him, you know, the, the table draws would always come out at 3 a.m. the next day. So I would stay up till 3 a.m. to get the table draw. And I would go ask him, who's good on my table? Who do you recognize? And he would always try to fill me in on anybody he knew. He'd be like, Eskimo what? Clark. What? He'd be like, Eskimo Clark. Um, Sam Grizzle. Uh, I, mean, th- I mean, the names of people that got named back then were probably guys that wouldn't get named nowadays. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, a couple of more like Howard Letter, Phil Ivy. Um, I knew Phil Helmuth. I knew I knew three players at the time. I knew Phil Helmuth, Doyle Brunson, and Johnny Chan. Those are the only players I knew. Um, so he pointed out, like he, you know, on day two or three, he pointed out Howard Letter. Um, hey, what's up, Char? Um, he pointed out um, Phil Ivy and and things of that. So. Um, yeah, he, he helped at that point, you know, so he was kind of interested. It wasn't until like probably day five that when they started really recognizing that, you know, they've got a guy with by the name of Moneymaker who looks yeah. like that and can play like that, that they started really recognizing it. Okay, so at what point, <laughs> or it, maybe this didn't happen during the main event, were they talking to you about the idea of maybe there being more of a, a partnership, the idea of a, a sponsorship deal, the idea of you becoming more associated with stars than just this qualifier playing with their patch on? It definitely didn't happen during the event. It was probably a month later, um, maybe even two months, when I was starting to get interviews for David Letterman, Cold Pizza, um, um couple other different night shows and at the time uh they had the first team pro was um and his name is escaping me and i i can't believe it well you guys know who it is who's the first well tom mcavoy was in the books at that stage right tom mcavoy yeah i mean I, i believe and this if you read dan goldman's blogs by the way about the early days of stars i think you'll find the very first poker stars pro was amarillo slim and that deal did not really work for either party so everyone chooses to prefer that it was tom mcavoy who was number one i did not know amarillo was working with poker stars i I, i've always thought it was tom mcavoy chris you've got to check out dan's blog about doing the deal with with i believe he calls him armadillo slim in the blog but it's clear who he's talking about and uh, yeah that was that was that was that was a fun one so after the win and obviously after the celebration in vegas i'm gonna shut my door i'm sorry my dogs are being a pain. Hey, I love cameo appearances from animals. Please don't prevent that. But after the victory, after you go back home, I mean, was there a sense that at that point you thought you were just going to go back to a normal life, that this hadn't changed your life forever? Well, of course. I mean, we got done with the tournament on a Saturday night at four. Um, I went to a club and I don't remember 
getting home per se, but <laughs> by Sunday we had a big party where I worked at a restaurant group where I worked. Uh, and that was Sunday and Monday morning at eight o'clock in the morning, I was back at my desk, you know, back at work. And I went to work for eight months before I finally uh, called it quits. Wow. I, um, I thought you were going to say like quit? eight weeks. Did you quit in no, like any kind of spectacular fashion? Did you have a blow up? Did you finally just be like, you know what? Fuck this. Um, honestly like my boss and uh the guy that owned the restaurant and myself we're, we're pretty good friends so um you know he actually came in um everything started airing on tv about six months later um you know at this time i was still working but i was playing a lot more golf and i was doing some interviews um probably kind of like i'm doing now um you know just you know, relaxing. I, my work was not that hard, so I could get it done pretty quickly. Um, but finally, my boss came in after I got second in the WPT, um, which was my next event I played. And he walked into my office and he said, listen, man, if, if you don't quit, I'm going to fire you. You don't <laughs> need to be here. Um, you're, you're making 40K a year and you're out there killing poker. Just go do poker. I mean, we're, we're friends. I'm just holding you back here. Um, I always wanted the safety of a consistent paycheck, so I didn't want to leave. Um, but when he came in and did that, I said, listen, all right, fine. I'll, I'll find someone to hire and train, and then I'll get out of here. Yeah, he gave you the like uh, a month later, I, I left. He gave you the goodwill hunting Chucky speech. Get the fuck out of here. You're better than this. You yeah, got to go make, make us all proud. <laughs> That's what he did. That's what he did. Yeah. I mean, I guess at first I was surprised you said eight months, Chris, but then I realized 2003, there wasn't any live coverage or live reporting of poker events. It takes long a long time for the TV shows to be turned around, and it wasn't really until they aired on ESPN that anyone really knew this had ever even happened. And that, I guess, is when you became a star, for want of a better word. Yeah, it definitely wasn't for, you know, the, the event happened, I want to say, in March, and the, the coverage didn't start happening until August, September timeframe. And the funny thing is, leading up to the coverage, ESPN would constantly be calling me, hey, what did you have this hand? What did you have this hand? <laughs> I didn't, like, the cameras didn't work half the time. So we would just, like, you know, <laughs> did say you always remember? Memory. And, uh, you know, they, they would edit it in. That, did that was did the you hand. always remember when they asked you, or did you just make shit up? I'm pretty sure I remembered all of them. Hold on a second. Um, Hold on a second. So you're telling me, Chris, you're telling me that the so-called bluff of the century could have been you misremembering your hand and you may actually (laughs) have had the nuts there. Uh, No, I will say the only hand that I misremembered from the final table was, or uh, they didn't have that I'm pretty sure I remember correctly, was a hand where uh, Sam Farhoff flopped top set of nines and I said I had an eight nine. Um, cause they called me and they're like, you know, what did you have in the hand where, where Sam moved all in and you folded? And I said, you know, um, it, the flop was like nine blank blank. And I said, I'm pretty sure I had eight, nine and, and Sam had a seven nines, but that's the only hand that from the final table, they called me the, the other ones were, um, the Dutch void stuff. They kind of spliced that stuff together. I mean, I did, you know, the hand, the big call with pocket threes happened, but, they ended up splicing some other hands that happened later into that hand. Like when he took his glasses off and they asked me a hand that um, actually never made it on TV. He said, well, I have a Dutch void on this other hand and they never even put it on TV. So, I mean, 
It was two, maybe three hands that they called about. The magic once, of television. Once it started airing on TV and you actually started blowing up, did you ever um, have a moment where you like bought into the hype where you kind of became where your head got big for lack of a better word? I mean, if you know my friends, you probably realize that um, my head's not going to get big. I mean, my friends are kind of similar to Joe in the fact that if I try to act too big, they are really fucking brutal and, and knock me down. So, yeah, not really. My head never really got big. I mean, I remember the, the first time seeing myself on TV, I turned to my buddy and I go, am I really that fat? We were sitting at a bar Tuesday night. We had a big poker. We had a big home poker game back then. And we started it on Tuesday night because when the coverage would air and, you know, I just remember turning to him at sitting at the table and his response was, yes, you are. Are you? Oh, great. So you now, remember, my head never really got big. Do you remember the first big check you got that wasn't from playing poker, but was like an endorsement or a sponsorship? And you were like, Holy shit, I just got given ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars just to show up somewhere or just to do a ten second commercial. Um, yeah, I, I do. Um, I mean obviously Poker Stars was my first endorsement and um getting those checks were nice, but you know, back then they didn't really know what a poker ambassador was supposed to be paid. And because yeah. there, there was no market. They for still it. don't. What's that? Just kidding. Go on. Now we have a cat. So, so my first deal was actually pretty small. Um, went the whole year, and it was supposed to be a two-year deal. And after the first year, PokerStars was really cool. Um, Eastside like, called me and said, hey, we're going to renegotiate your deal. It's not fair to you. And wow. they basically renegotiated. Um, but my first big check was – I got 500,000 from Canadian club to go to a couple grocery stores and Walmarts and, and things of that nature, um, promoting the whiskey. Uh, I would travel around promoting that. So they gave me half of the money up front, which was pretty cool. Wow. That I mean, is cool. this is the reality, right? Of that period of the boom that's named after you. Were you thinking during that, I've just got to milk this for every cent I can because surely this isn't going to last. Surely I'm not going to be this sponsored player. I'm not going to be this kind of like big name in the poker world for an extended period of time. Honestly, I never thought I was going to be, you know, like that. I mean, I thought it would all die back off. I mean, you know, we would have a tournament next year and someone would win and, you know, I'd kind of be forgotten. I mean, I never had, had envisioned 17 years later, be sitting here talking to you. I thought, you know, this would be a flash in the pan. And, you know, that's why I wanted to keep my job because I, you know, I didn't want to be 35 years old, um, which is about eight years later. Um, I was just thinking about, you know, be 35, not have a job. I've got money, but, you know, I can't live off that money for the rest of my life. And, you know, my qualifications are going to be, would you like fries with that? So, you know, I went to school for seven years to be an accountant. Do I really want to throw that all away um, for seven years of potentially a, a good run, you know, getting ambassadorships and appearances and stuff of that nature? So, no, I never thought that this was going to be a long term plan. It was going to be short term and I was going to try and, you know, 
keep up with accounting to to have it to fall back on if I would ever need it. I threw my Becker books in the trash. I never did the CPA exam. I was studying for it at the time, but that thing was hard. So I said, no, I'm not doing that, but I'll try to keep up with, you know, con- ed- you know, continuing education and try to keep my CPA possibility open for the next like five years. Yeah. That lasted about six months. <laughs> I mean, if we look at the period where you were, on the PokerStars books, where you were an ambassador for the game, specifically representing stars. I guess it breaks down into different eras, right? And if we look at recent years where you had the Moneymaker Tour and the opportunity for people to play low stakes and win big and meet you. I mean, I remember the first time I met you. I'm sure you don't remember this, but it was when you came over to London. I think it would have been 2006 ahead of that World Series. It was you, Greg, and Joe. You were the three world champions in a row, all representing stars. And you kind of did this international tour. You went to all these key countries, all these key markets, all these places where PokerStars was running live events, be that Europe, Asia, or Latin America. And I mean, for that period, you were very much the three faces of the brand and were very much kind of global ambassadors for poker. Honestly, that was my favorite time of poker that I could ever remember for the simple fact that we, we were making a world tour, me, Joe and Greg, and we became like best friends. We, we hung out together. We went out to dinner together every night. We traveled together for months. Um, you know, we got to know each other's families. And, you know, that was from a poker standpoint, one of the coolest times was, you know, hanging out with those guys, sharing stories um, and, you know, meeting families and, you know, I, I came real close with the Hashems. Um, and one of my saddest days was the day that Joe told me that he's going to be leaving stars. He got sick of traveling seven hours outside of Australia to go to anywhere. And, yeah. um, he wanted to just be with his family at the time. I didn't quite grasp leaving poker stars and, and the money and everything to just stay at home. Um, he was a little bit older than I was. And I guess now I, I, I finally sort of get it. Yeah. Took yeah. a long time, but I get it. So if that was your favorite period, was there ever any time where you were kind of like, I don't want to say desperately unhappy, but I guess also questioning what is my role here? What is my, what is my, my relevance? Well, I mean, honestly, black Friday was the toughest point. Um, you know, it happened on April 15th, which was the tax day. And I was moving into a new house and I tried to log on to poker stars and I got the FBI warning sign. Um, I honestly thought it was going to last a day or two and everything would be fine. Then I remember getting a phone call from a friend saying, Hey, do you don't have any balances at full tilt. Do you? I'm like, no, I don't play there. I'm not allowed. And they're like, good. Cause they don't have the money to pay. And I'm like, whatever it's full tilt. They, of course they have the money to pay. Um, Obviously, it didn't, and then all of a sudden, Black Friday turned from a couple-day thing, a week thing, to we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I'm on the phone with Esai and them, and they're like, yeah, just stay where you're, stay at home. Don't try to relocate. Don't do anything. Um, your, your, your job is safe, but just hang out. So for the next four months, five months, I did absolutely bupkis, nothing like there. They didn't have me doing any interviews because they didn't want to talk about black Friday. They didn't want to mention it. Um, so I literally sat at home similar to what I'm doing now, 
um, <laughs> for about four or five months without knowing what the future was going to hold. I didn't know if I was going to be able to play online poker again. I didn't know um, if I was going to have a job in a year. I didn't, you know, there was just so much up in the airness and with, you know, no one knew what was going to happen. And that was a, a really tough time, I guess, from, um, you know, an ambassadorship standpoint is just the not knowing where poker was going to go. I mean, did you, you know, start studying for the CPA test pro, again? I didn't go that far. I didn't go that far into the hole. Um, you know, but it, it's, you know, like, you know, what, what am I going to do with the yeah. rest of my life? If online poker never comes back, um, what am I going to do if poker stars, you know, goes away and, um, you know, you start planning for things and start making these backup plans. And, you know, again, I quickly realized that I have zero skill sets other than a pretty face. So I don't really know <laughs> what I would do. Um, I mean, the other thing I'd say about recent years, in addition to the Moneymaker Tour, which we already alluded to, I mean, over the years, you played, I think, every single tour that Stars ran. And those ranged, of course, from the kind of big buy-in events like we see on the EPT to maybe the smaller buy-in events on the local tours. I don't think there is a single place that you didn't go at some point, a single event that you didn't play. I mean, the opportunity, I guess, you've had to see all those parts of the world must, must be great. Yeah, I will say one thing that, you know, why I was able, I, I believe why I was able to stay with Poker Stars for 17 years and be the ambassador that I ended up being with them was because I saw early on where my fan base was and where, you know, I really hit home with people. In the beginning of my sponsorship with them, they would put me into the 50Ks and the high rollers and, you know, all these big buying events. And I, I, I would tell them, stop. I don't want to be put into the 50Ks. Stop wasting um, your money. But, I don't stand a chance. <laughs> no, no, none of the pros that were playing 50Ks really cared if I was there. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, it was cool, but at the end of the day, the pros don't care about, you know, they play with, you know, people they see on TV all the time. You're not really bringing in any more business by playing the 50K. Right. You're going to get benefit from me letting me play the grassroots games, letting me play the smaller games. You know, at the same time, all my friends are like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Really? You don't want to play the 50Ks? You want to play the 1500s? I'm like, that's where my my bread and butter is. That's where my fans are. That's where I'm going to make the most impact. Um, so I told them basically it was probably around 2006, 2007 is when I stopped playing high rollers and started playing, you know, all the smaller events and going and traveling. And, you know, I like traveling. It was it was fun. I, I really enjoyed going and seeing places and, and meeting all the fans and, you know, playing these smaller events. There was a lot less pressure and um, it was just a fun time. And, you know, poker's supposed to be fun. I mean, it turned into a job, but it's supposed to be fun. And um, I was enjoying it and I had fun doing it. I think if I would have tried to stay with the 50Ks and tried to, you know, earn a living playing poker, per se, I think I would have been pretty unhappy. And I was genuinely really happy doing what I was doing. Yeah. During that time when they were putting you in those bigger events and those high rollers, I did not know you personally, but I was around and I sort of knew of you and my impression of you. And if this is unfair, I didn't really like you that much. I was like, I don't think, I don't think I like moneymaker. I don't, I don't, I didn't like your whole vibe. And that might've just been in my head, but I will say that after that, when you 
made this transition that you just talked about, you seemed a lot more comfortable in your own skin. You, I think, really became the person you're meant to be in the poker world. And after that, you know, I actually did get a chance to know you. Obviously, knowing a person makes a huge difference, but I really think that that is... That's you, man. Like, you are a man of the people. You're just a fun, salt-of-the-earth guy. And being, like, the razor-sharp pro isn't your thing. And I'm really glad that you realize that, they realize that. And the more people, you got to bring happiness to a lot more people having done it that way. So I'm glad that eventually that's how it worked out. And I hope it continues to work out like that. Well, first of all, it makes me cry that you didn't like me. Um, <laughs> I thought you always envied me. Maybe it was jealousy in the beginning. I don't are you, know. Are you going to let but, him get away yeah. with saying that you weren't razor sharp? I mean, I know he speaks the truth, but even so. <laughs> you know, the, the, the 50Ks, they're, they're awesome to play, obviously. I mean, everybody wants to play a 50K. I mean, everybody wants to play the PSPC, the 25K. And, and they're great to play every once in a while. But when that's, you know, you're put into this environment that, you're just not overly comfortable because, you know, I don't, I never really felt like I was, I, I didn't want to be a professional poker player. That was never my quote unquote dream. Um, you know, I wanted to have a nine to five. I wanted to have the steady income and I just didn't see the 50 Ks and the 10 Ks and the 25 Ks being a reliable source of income for the next 20 years. Yeah. Um, I could definitely see myself playing one Ks, 1500s, hanging out with people, having a good time. And eventually, you know, every once in a while knocking one off. Um, and, but at the same time, you know, having fun and giving people experiences, I thought that would add longevity and it was something I would be a, a much better at and I would enjoy a lot. And I'm glad that you approved Joe. Well, we are going to draw a line under what I am calling the Moneymaker era uh, with the last ever edition of Chris Moneymaker. Is that your real name? Joe, take it away. All right, you guys know how the game is played. And if you don't, I'll explain it very quickly. There's a phenomenon out there called nominative determinism. And I don't even think it existed as a term when Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker main event in 2003. It is a relatively new term. There he is. He's back. Uh, basically, what it means is that people seem sometimes to be drawn to life events and careers that fit their name. Chris Moneymaker, how many times in your life have you been asked, is that your real name? 5,284. Great. So there are seven questions here. If you get it wrong, I'm going to ask you, Chris Moneymaker, is that your real name? To which you will have to answer if you get it wrong. If not, you get to avoid it. Are you ready? I can't wait. Here we go. Question number one. Which of the following is an archaeologist out of the United Kingdom. These are all real. I double verified them. Which of the following is an archaeologist out of the United Kingdom? Dr. Pamela Graves, Dr. Tom Brader, Dr. Indiana Jones, or Dr. Matthew Berry? Dr. Matthew Berry. 
Dr. Matthew Barry. Matthew Barry is the star of Toast of London. We were looking for Dr. Pamela Graves. Chris Moneymaker, is that your real name? Unfortunately, it is. <laughs> Question number two. You might get this one, Chris. This is a guy I think you follow on Twitter. It involves a guy you follow on Twitter. Which of the following names was recently cited by Darren Ravel as being one of the best obstacle course runners in the world? Is it Trip Hurt, Toe Stubbs, Lee Pover, or Alley-Oop Hurdlefall? Those are my choices? Those are your choices for one of the best obstacle course runners in the world. Number three. You guessed Lee Pover. Chris Moneymaker, is that your real name? God bless. Yes, it is. Trip Hurt. Trip Hurt was the real name there. The rest of the names all made Trip up by hurt. me. Trip Hurt. Question number three. Which of the following? I yes, sir. Question. Which Which Go of the ahead. following is an ophthalmologist in Toowoomba, Queensland, Australia? Wow. Is you, it? You've really scraped the barrel for this one. I love it. Is it Dr. Ainsley Blur, Dr. Iris Cornea, Dr. Ashley Seawright, <laughs> or Dr. Angela 2020? Well, it's not the last one. If it's the last one, I, I give up. <laughs> um, so it could be Seawright. That sounds... I don't think it's cornea. I'm gonna go C right. C right is correct. Yay! I had a I had a, a burn plan if he got that one wrong, saying, "Chris, women can't be doctors." Uh, here we go. Question number four. Also hailing from down under is a gastroenterologist named. Which of the following names is their real name? Is it? Dr. Josh Butt, Dr. Rob Toots, Dr. Tyler C. Bowles, or Dr. Hershey S. Quartz. I want it to be Squirts so bad, <laughs> but I actually think it could be the C. Bowles, because um, it's the C, then the Bowles. So I'm going to go C. Bowles. Chris Moneymaker, is that your real name? Yes, Joe, it is. We're looking for Dr. Josh Butt. It could have been all of them, except for probably the squirt. <laughs> I was particularly proud of that one. Okay, question number five. Seven total questions. Back to the good old US of A. Which of the following is a chiropractor out of Washington Courthouse, Ohio. Speaking of stupid names. Is it Dr. Arthur Ritus? No. Dr. J. Boone Popper? Dr. James McCracken? Or Dr. A. D. Justment? It's going to be one of the last two. I'm going to go with McCracken. 
James McCracken is correct. You got two right. Two rights. It's too good, easy. Man. I'm start. I, I can figure out your 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 net your weird names now. I got you. You can actually uh, you can actually have a winning score with the final two questions. The book, The Proper Care of Tarantulas, was written by which of the following? Was it Andrew Arachne, Elizabeth Octoman, Anne Webb, or Peter Parker? Well, obviously it's not Peter Parker, so it's, I got a 75% chance. I don't think it's Anne Webb. I'm going to go with the first one, Arachnid. Chris Moneymaker, is that your real name? Damn, it was Webb, wasn't it? Yes, it was it is. Anne Webb. I mean, that's like one of those joke books, The Proper Care of Tarantulas by Anne Webb. <laughs> it's a real book. I looked it up. Wow. All right, final question. You need this one to save face. It is not easy. Which of the following are the winners of the 2019 International Tree Climbing Championships? Is it Scott Forrest and Josephine Hedger, Tim Bush and Katie Schwab, so stupid, Carl Conifer and Rosemary Root, or Michael Gibbons and Simeon Dyson? <laughs> so the others sound like you made them up too much. I'm going to go with Root. Chris Moneymaker, is that your real name? Damn it, yes. I hate missing the last one ever. Oh. Scott Forrest and Josephine Hedger the winners of the 2019 International Tree Climbing Championship. the fact that we ended with a loss. Can you give me an easy one so I don't miss the last one that we ever do? No, no. That's the way it should end. That's the way it has to end. Um, Chris, it's been a joy. Thank you so much for everything. And uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to us one last time and put yourself through the torture. Chris, I'm actually getting a little choked up here. I know you're not dying. I know I'm still going to see you. I love you very much. You're a fantastic ambassador for the game. I love spending time with you. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. I owe you a lot, and I love you very much, and I hope you fucking kill it wherever you go next. Thank you. Guys, I'm going to miss you tremendously. Um, but I'll never forget that Joe said he hated me when I played the high rollers. Um, that's always going to stick with me now. And I'm going to use that as fuel to play home games with Joe. James, you need to come to the home game. So we, we play on zoom. So, you know, I can see your beautiful face. I miss this. I can do um, that. It's been my pleasure. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm not dying. I don't think, but, um, I'll be in the poker world at, in some facet, um, hopefully I get to see you guys in, in real life before too long. Um, oh, I do have key. plans to show up at the next PSPC and play. It was such a great event. So um, if they ever put one on again, I will probably see you guys there. I'll come up and um, sit in the booth with you guys and say hello. And, awesome. uh, you know, try to make some – we can do another game where maybe I'll get it right or something. Yeah. Good luck with that. Chris, but thank you very is, much. I'm going back to bed. I actually rolled out of bed for this. Thank you, sir. You yep. get back in your bed. Thanks, Chris. We'll see you soon. Guys, take care. 
All right, Chris, don't let the door hit you or the good Lord split you. You're dead to us. Um, so I mentioned earlier in the show that uh, the home game was kind of the same, kind of different. Things were back to their old tricks, but the home game teased me, teased me. Uh, I cashed this week. Top four paid. I made the top four. I was chip leader. Got into a hand with a guy named Vinny. Uh, had him dead to rights, top pair. He was out kicked, rivered second pair. Okay, now Vinny's back in the game. I'm still in. I'm not out. And eventually, we get to heads up, me and Vinny. And I have the chip lead. I work my way back for a crazy trip, trip chip lead. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, crazy chip deficit. Right. Uh, final hand, I have pocket aces. The board is queen high. With three diamonds. I have the ace of diamonds. We get it in. I don't Vinny see for how the you second can't. time. What's that? I don't see how you can't get it in here. I'm not sure if this is right. the feature you were promising. What would James do? But all the chips are going in every yes. day of the week and twice on Sunday. Correct. Yes. So the real what would James do is. Oh. When Vinny calls with Queen 10, the same hand he got you with before. When you had ace queen and he had queen 10 and river to 10. And this time he calls with queen 10 and it goes runner, runner, straight, no diamond. My what would James do is how would you react? How would you react after twice having the same person okay. dead to rights? Would you just I, tap the table and say good game? Yeah, I, I, I am. Uh, look, I don't think anyone anyone who is in any way normal i.e. not a robotic conditioned seasoned poker pro has that epic disappointment frustration and annoyance on the inside i think the key is not to show it right and it's happened to me in actual poker games be they home games or live games where i've suffered a horrific beat and i've just kind of just gone up oh, nice hand that's poker Inside, I'm seething. I'm pissed off. And you want to be ranting at someone for making a bad play or you want to be cursing your bad fortune. But contrary to some of my other personality flaws, I never let that come to the fore. I just accept it and move on. And to be honest with you, I can't even remember them because in the moment, they're annoying. But hey, all things considered, who gives a shit? Absolutely. And that would be my reaction if i were playing among strangers if i was in a casino when i'm playing amongst friends well if there's one this thing is like, we've come to realize joe with your tales yeah. from the home game in recent weeks and months is you do like to whine about every single right. thing that doesn't go your way right so and the thing is if if i could have a day where things went my way it would wipe the slate clean but unfortunately, the cumulative effect, no matter how good of an attitude I go in with, when it happens and then it happens again, I, I, don't, have, I don't have that same self-control. Now, I'm not Helmuthian. I don't go nuts. Okay. I don't insult people. But I didn't tap the table and say, good game. I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. You've got to be fucking kidding me. What? How? What the fuck? Good game. Nice hand. No big deal. But seriously, what the fuck? And I think that's a pretty reasonable response to have. Yeah, I'm not mad at you, yeah. person. Um, I'm just mad at the situation. Um, I, I, sometimes, 
sometimes I find myself scrolling on social media. As you know, I try not to because that's where madness lies. But did I see a photograph of you with a custom car protector? Yeah. So Saturday morning, I hear a package thud outside. I'm like, oh, sports cards. I got some more cards to open. And I go outside and there's a real tiny, uh, like an envelope, uh, Amazon envelope. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And I open it up. And inside is this. Okay, this that is, is a, a small musical instrument case. And when I say I didn't small, know it was that. when I say small, yes. it's like if 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 a GI Joe figure played played the cello, Stuart it's that Little size. Would use this. It, and it, inside, it's, it's a tiny violin, Joe. Is the world's smallest violin? Oh wow, the world's smallest violin as a car protector, just for Joe. It's even got the bow and everything. That's awesome. Who was behind that one? Was that a Molina or a Ho initiative? That it was neither Molina nor Ho. This is from uh, Kim Caramelli, uh, who played in that same charity event. I don't know if you remember. She did, yes. Um, Kim Caramelli and her husband Vinny uh, decided to send me the world's smallest violin, which I'm not going to lie, infuriated me. I bet it did. But equally, Just really, equally, you've got to admit that it's a good joke, and that's the other reason it, why it's irking you is because somebody else came up with a really good gag. It's a great joke, but it was terrible for the environment, sending this. And what about small business? Huh? Horrible people. Well, it is a small business that makes small violins. Anywho, uh, we need to move on because we are about to give up. Because we're about to give out some prizes, hopefully, in this week's Superfan Quiz. Time to welcome this week's superfan to the podcast. Hello, John Bartlett. Hello, fellas. How you doing? What's up, Johnny? Not much. It's morning in uh, snowy Ottawa, Canada. So, yeah, man, we love a Canadian. Do, uh, by the way, do you know the um, how the country of Canada got its name? <laughs> no, no, no. We don't have time for that nonsense, John. I think I've let's... heard that before. Yeah, funny that. Twenty times it's on history. this podcast. 20 times on this podcast, on live streams over the last four or five years. Um, Let's talk about you. So we know you're from Canada. We know you're from Ottawa. What else can you tell us about John Bartlett? Yeah, um, I am uh, an artist manager. So I manage musicians. Um, Andy Schaff, Lido Pimienta, uh, who's actually up for a Grammy this year. A couple of people that I work with. So... uh, yeah, we've got a small shop here and usually are out traveling the world with our artists and these days are uh, sitting at my kitchen table. <laughs> what about stand-up comedians? Never know. <laughs> I'm yeah. currently looking for Never a comedian representation. <laughs> Noted. I know some people that, that I could recommend. Seem- I love the fact that Joe's trying to get you to branch out and expand your business with his Anything own interests, with his own interests <laughs> uh, at the center of things. So the good news is, I guess, being in Canada is the world of online poker is open to you. Um, have you found yourself dabbling at the online tables over the last 12 months in this new world order? Yeah, a lot for sure. Um, <laughs> it sounds like some bad am- beat stories coming. <laughs> Oh no, 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 it's all good. I've, I've definitely learned a lot. Um, unlike most of your listeners actually got into poker. Uh, my roommate brought home a copy of Harper's magazine at the end of 2000 
Oh, and I, read the, I know uh, what this is. Yeah, I read the uh, Fortune Smile article. He said, you, you have to read this. You're going to love it. And by the end of the article, I was collecting pennies. Of course, it was Jim McManus's article about his run at the 2000 World Series. And I was hooked. Uh, you know, when Poker Stars started, a few of us were on it. Um, I, was, I was running tournaments at curling clubs, going to strangers' places until they finally had a game at the casino. And then... Really, for 10 years, I didn't really pay attention, like, you know, to the last the last decade. And uh, with COVID, I've real I've gone back and realized, wow, the game is completely different. Yeah, and, welcome uh, back. Reading and learning and and uh, it's super interesting. And it's been a really nice, uh, yeah, nice escape just playing small stakes and watching all the streams and uh, and you listening to you guys on my run five times a week nice. and you guys are the soundtrack, the podcast. So I'm <laughs> laughing, running around here in the We are and the soundtrack to your life. Thanks for um, what you do. It's, it's great. Well, thank you, John. And, and the great thing is we've got some synergy now, right? Because in this quiz, we give away a Sunday million ticket. And now every week we stream day two of the Sunday million. So our objective, our mission now is to not only have someone win a ticket, but also to make it to day two and feature on the stream so that it's all connected, all part of the content circle. It'll happen eventually. I'll do what I can. Okay. <laughs> John, I got to ask you, as, as an artist manager, how would you adv have advised, advised Larry Sanders in some of these situations? <laughs> would you have given him different career advice? Oh man. It's i uh, I'm really glad that you saw this. Like I, I just feel it's one of those shows. I was surprised you hadn't seen it. And it, it, to me, it hits all your check boxes and it's just such a legendary show. So influential, you know, when you watch curb, you can see the lines back to Gary Shandling and, and just all the, the cast that they had at that time. So I really hope you stick with it and you have to see the share. You have to see the, the interviews like 10 years later, especially the one with Sharon stone. He seemed to have a lot of romances on set with people and it's the, the lines are definitely blurred throughout that show so it's it's interesting to watch what, what do you mean by 10 years later i mean the show only ran a couple seasons 10 years after the show they put out a dvd box set and he went back and met with a lot of the guests that were on it and it seemed like every woman that was a guest there was something weird that happened during the taping and sharon stone in particular with was gary very, shandling not yeah, with larry yes, sanders yes oh, so wow Sharon Stone in particular was really affected by it. And it is one of the weirdest, you can see it on YouTube. It's one of the weirdest meetings and uncomfortable. And it's like exactly like the show. So it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Well, that's what I was going to say is in order to win the ticket, you've got to win the quiz first. You did pick the Larry Sanders show as your specialist subject. We confined the questions to season one. It's a show I haven't seen since it first appeared on British TV in the mid 1990s. And even then I only saw a few episodes. One day I will do that voyage of discovery. But Patrick was tasked with compiling this quiz. We have got 10 questions with multiple choice options. There are a few bonus questions. You know how it works, John. Please give me a number between one and 10. Well, my lucky number is also nine. Okay. So let's start there. Okay. We're going to start with no, that's Joe's. Great because if Patrick tried to fuck me, he actually fucked you. <laughs> I, I, I don't think he does. Um, okay. So not always coming seven, coming Joe and John's lucky number nine. What is the name of the young comedian that the production team get annoyed at because he booked a different show the night before? David Spade. David Spade for two 
points. He uh, did not Joe. try to fuck me. I definitely would have known that one. Uh, okay. Yeah. So you can't have nine, but you can have any other number. I think that he goes easy on the super fans and gives an easy question for the always coming seven. So give me number seven, please. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not convinced that there is actually any logic in how these questions are dispersed, <laughs> but you, you carry on buying into that conspiracy theory. In total, how many seasons of The Larry Sanders Show were aired? Four. Should have taken the multiple choice options because four wasn't even one of them. Shit. It was actually six. Um, oh, that's a lot. John, what would you like next? Uh, number one. Number one. What is Hank's catchphrase? Hey now! God and the bonus it. question, who asks Hank to stop saying it? In one of the episodes. Well, there's a couple people. But uh, we'll say Larry. For the we'll say one. Larry, and you're going to get the bonus points. So that is three <laughs> points scored there. What kind of bonus question was that? Look, take it up with one. Patrick. <laughs> take it up with Patrick. Uh, seeing as you seem to have figured out how his mind works. Uh, Joe, which number would you like? You're down five nothing, by the way. <laughs> question two. What is the name of Larry's wife? Happy with that one? Yeah, it's... Are you saying... No, I'll take the choices. Is it Beverly, Paula, Sandra, or Jeannie? Jeannie. For Damn one it. point. Oh, I love it when you should have gone for it and don't. Uh, three, <laughs> four, five, six, eight, or ten, John. Uh, let's go three. Okay, what product do Larry and Hank advertise live on the show in the episode What Have You Done For Me Lately? God damn it. Garden Weasel. The Garden Weasel for two points. Do you want to keep going in chronological order, Joe? Or so fucking annoying. Do you have a theory that maybe Patrick made question 10 really, really easy? Yeah. Question 10. Yeah. I haven't looked at it yet, so, so don't blame me. What animal does Larry have on the show in episode three? Uh, a, um, a tarantula. Spider, which is a tarantula. A tarantula is a spider. So that's two points. Well done, Joe. Uh, John, what have we got left? Four, five, six, or eight? Let's go eight. Question number eight. Which TV network was the show broadcast on? Oh. And I'm assuming this is US TV network. Oh, he means the actual show, John, not on the show. Right. HBO. HBO for two points. Thanks, Joe. You're welcome. <laughs> Yes, I, I agree. The the the, uh, the question was unclear. Uh, four, five, or six? Four is my unlucky number, so I'll take that one. What does Larry tell viewers at home to do at the end of his introductions? No flipping. Is that the actual direct quote? He says, don't change the channel, stick around. Yeah, I'll give it to you. You're going to lose anyway. Don't flip around is how it was written down here. Um... Final question for you, John. Five or six? Uh, let's go five. What is the name of the actor that plays Artie? Rip Torn. Rip Torn. That could have been a good bonus question here. The poker connection with Rip Torn. Do you happy to know? Happen to know? Uh, I rip up my cards when the dealer fucks uh, me. 
Number one, not your question. Number two, I was very much aiming that at John. I don't know whether I don't. Uh, Rip Torn played the character Slade in the Cincinnati Kid, the kind of villain uh, from that movie. Uh, you know, Joe, I stopped your I stopped your podcast before you talked about it because I still haven't watched it. So that's one I got to go oh, back shit. to. Yeah, yeah you got to. It's look compared to most of the, poker the movies that we've reviewed. It's it's it. I think it's one of the more decent ones, not without its flaws, but but better than most. It's still just a fun movie. If you don't know yeah. poker at all, it's like a yeah. cool movie. Yeah. The, 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 the sexism in it has dated appallingly, though. Uh, question six, final question, Joe. What year did the Larry Sanders show first air? And again, I think we're talking about the comedy show itself, not the show within the show. Yeah. Well, I got to go for it here. Go for it. Nothing to What did you say? 1994. 1994 is incorrect. It was 1992, which means the final score is 11 points to Superfan John, five points to Joe Stapleton. John, you are a winner. Congratulations. A Sunday million ticket is yours. Plus, of course, the much coveted T-shirt from the Poker in the Ears range. Awesome, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you. John, thank you. Yeah. We appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. My pleasure. All right, my babies, that is just about all the time we got for this week's show. Coming up next week, Neil Farrell is going to join us for the Couch Potato episode. I like that. I like that name. I like that moniker. Poker and pop culture, a little bit of poker, a lot of pop culture. Uh, coming up in f- in a future weeks, in yeah. the future weeks, yeah, well, some the of the future weeks. The most important thing to say, Joe, is that after next week's show, we are then going to take a two-week hiatus. We're going to take yes. a mid-February break for reasons that we discussed on last week's show. Joe's got to get his voice sorted out. But when we return, and I'm really excited about this, and we talked about this on the Sunday Million stream, Giraffe Ganger is a huge Godfather fan. You know that I was appealing for someone to come on the show and be our Godfather super fan. We are going to do it. Burt Stevens on the show in a super fan capacity, going head to head against Joe Stapleton in a quiz about Godfather 1 and 2. I cannot wait. I should have the time to watch it too while I can't speak to anyone for a couple of days after I yeah. have my old snip snip done. Uh, by the way, I just want to say thank you to all the people who did not reach out uh, and to the few who did. You're blocked. You're banned. <laughs> You were warned. He did say that. Uh, Plus, and again, this was put on our radar by Lance Bradley. There is a movie out there called Danny's Game, and many people are saying it is literally the worst poker movie ever made. I find that hard to believe because there's a lot of stiff competition out there. But you know what, Joe? We're going to track this down, and we're going to do another bad poker movie Monday, recorded on a Wednesday, released on a Thursday. In the meantime, comment, like, subscribe, leave us a review. Apply to be a super fan. Use that hashtag for both super fan applications and guest suggestions. Cheapers. <laughs> Moneymaker has me all choked up. Guest suggestions. Hashtag poker in the ears. For now, that is all of the time for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. <laughs> <laughs>